Some people will give their insurance companies the most imaginative reasons for having an automobile accident. Here are just a few. The telephone pole was approaching fast. I attempted to swerve out of its path when it struck my front end. I've been driving this car for four years when I fell asleep at the wheel and had an accident. To avoid hitting the bumper of the car in front of me, I struck the pedestrian. I was just keeping up with the cars behind me. <laughs> and finally, I was coming home, pulled into the wrong driveway, and hit a tree I did not have. <laughs> now, if you think those are good, you should hear some of the reasons people give for not coming to worship on Sunday mornings. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. After all, whose day is it? A pastor was calling on a parishioner who hadn't been to church for quite some time. He urged his parishioner to come back to church, telling him all the wonderful activities going on at the church. Well, that sounds pretty good, young fellow, said the man, but I'd like to think it over for a while. Why don't you come back in the next week or two and we'll discuss it some more. I will, sir, said the pastor, and I wish I had a dozen like you, he said, and he left. The pastor returned the next week to visit the man and extol all the virtues of the church. Sure sounds great, said the man, but I'd still like to think about it come back another time. I will, sir. I really wish I had a dozen like you. Well, this went on a few more times. And finally, the man said, you know, you've been calling on me for a long time now, and I've never given you any hope that I might return to the church. And you always smile and say, I wish I had a dozen just like you. Why? And the pastor replied, because I've got two dozen like you. <laughs> On Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock, 10.30, 11 o'clock, there's a place where many people in our society flock to pay homage to the values that give meaning to their lives and purpose. And of course, I'm talking about the mall. Now, I can't tell you for sure if that's what's going on at 10 o'clock because I'm usually pretty busy around that time. But I can tell you that by noon and throughout the afternoon, even on beautiful days like today, the mall parking lots are packed. Worship, just like staying at home and sleeping in, is a habit. Both habits can be easily changed unless they are firmly rooted in your life pattern. Once you find reason, legitimate or otherwise, to miss worship three or four subsequent Sundays, the fourth or fifth absences are as easy as sleeping in. I think many people drift away from the church for that reason. They just miss a while, and then it's just easier and easier to keep on missing. Worship, like physical exercise, is a discipline of spiritual exercise. And it's amazing the time and energy some people devote to their physical exercise. I believe worship is the most important and significant activity of the church. Right here, right now, what we're doing. 
It is central to our life and faith. Nothing else is more important than the weekly gathering of God's faithful people for the purpose of praising God and seeking God's purpose and guidance. To put a positive on the counterpoint of worship and sleeping in, here's a one-liner from Robert Clark Cabot. Worship renews the spirit as sleep renews the body. Unfortunately, many do not know what it means or feels like to have an awakened or alive spirit. Jesus knew what it meant. In fact, it was his purpose to so touch people that their spirits and very lives would live toward God. Think about that. Living your spirit and your life toward God. It was Jesus' habit to go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. And while we know there were many things with which he disagreed, he went. Have you known people who might disagree with one thing going on at the church, one thing that the pastor has said, and that's the excuse enough not to go back to church? Jesus didn't like everything going on in the synagogues, but he went. He went. The worship going on in the synagogue in Jesus' day was anything but perfect. Yet he joined himself to God's worshiping people on God's day. Now, lest you think the whole thrust of this sermon is to tell everyone listening, including our online worshipers, that they should be worshiping every Sunday as though it were about getting a perfect attendance pen. I don't know if you had those when you were a youngster in church school. I had it. We got pens for perfect attendance. That's, that's not what I'm trying to talk about here today. Just because you park yourself in a garage doesn't make you a car. And just because you park yourself in church doesn't make you a Christian. And besides, if I were only going to extol the virtue of Sunday morning worship, as the old saying goes, it would be like preaching to the choir. Because you're all here. You're all here. Those who are here don't really need to hear this message, perhaps as much as those who aren't. But I did learn a long time ago when I tried to not guilt people, but cajole people into coming to church, I learned a long time ago that if people don't want to come to church, you can't make them. You can't make them. You can't stop them, I mean. If people don't want to come to church, you can't stop them. So let's take a deeper look at the Sabbath. What is it, and what does it mean to keep it? Sabbath means complete or at the end. The Sabbath is the seventh or last day of the seven days we find in Genesis, the seven days of creation. The Sabbath is the last day. Technically, that's Saturday, right? Jews celebrate Shabbat, or the Sabbath, from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. That is their Sabbath. The early Christian church built on the Sabbath tradition by expanding it to Sunday, the first day of the week, the day of Christ's resurrection. By doing so, they signaled their faith that a new creation had begun. 
a new creation had begun, and so each Sunday was a little Easter. Every Sunday was a small celebration of Easter. It was a new life, a new creation in Christ. And so it is for us as well. That's why we worship on Sunday. It was not simply for abstaining from work and certain other activities as the Pharisees were trying to press the letter of the law. Recall in our text from Matthew, which Mickey read for us, how when the disciples were hungry and plucked heads of grain to eat, the Pharisees saw it and they confronted Jesus. Look! Your disciples are doing what is not lawful on a Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. We are called each week to remember. We're not to forget our heritage. We're not to forget our commitment. We're not to forget our involvement. The word remember... Zakar in Hebrew means to impress in the mind, to pierce the consciousness. It's like a wake-up call to the fact that God is intimately involved in our lives. Here the entire fourth commandment as recorded in the 20th chapter of Exodus, of Exodus verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien residents in your town. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, But God rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Once a week, we are to stop from making a living and live in such a way as to rest and be renewed and remember who and whose we are. The whole creation which God has made is holy including this rhythm of of work and rest. It's built into our bodies each day and night as we release things and go to sleep and wake up the next day. The fourth commandment asks us to build it into our spirits each week. All week long, we work, 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 or if we're retired, we work at our play, play, play using the stuff of life. But on Sunday, we are encouraged to share in the holiness which transcends and is at the heart of all space and time. For the Sabbath is the counterpoint of living the melody sustained through all the ups and downs and discord of our experience, our awareness of God's presence in the world. To go back to the image in our prayer of confession, music is all about rhythm and rest. John Ruskin shares this insight. There's no music in a rest 
That I know of. But there's the making of music in it. And people are always missing that part of the life melody. Resting and being quiet with your soul is part of what honoring the fourth commandment is all about. Some of you have said to me that our hour of worship is like that for you. A quiet, peaceful, restful time to be in the presence of God. A long time ago, when the broadcasting industry was still in its infancy, a letter was sent to the National Broadcasting Company from a prospector in the hills of Montana, written on a piece of brown bag that had been folded into an envelope. It contained an unusual request. I am a regular listener to your programs, and as a friend, I want to ask for a favor. It gets lonely up here, and besides my radio and my dog, I have not much else for company. I do have an old violin that I used to play, but now it's badly out of tune. Would you please be kind enough at 7 o'clock next Sunday night to strike me an A so I can put that violin back into tune? Your reaction is like the executives at NBC. They thought it was humorous. They did pass it on up the chain. And when the manager thought about it for a while, it took on a bit more perspective. So the following Sunday night at 7 o'clock sharp, the network interrupted its scheduled program to sound an A and give a friend his pitch. My life and your life has a way of getting out of tune and off pitch. We need to have someone sound an A to help us get back everything into proper balance and perspective. The Sabbath was made by God to give us the chance to listen for that pitch. And God alone can give that pitch to us and bring us back in tune. Perhaps we would do well to always be prepared with this simplest of prayers, especially when we are out of harmony with God and and possibly every Sunday morning. Lord, help me to remember that you are always on the right note. You are always on the right note. Now, there are two other quick things I want to say about Sabbath. The Sabbath was a festival observance in honor of the Lord, and it was to be a fun day set aside for enjoying God. The Sabbath was meant to benefit us, not constrict us unnecessarily. But this notion of the day being made for us and our enjoyment has been twisted into thinking that to have fun is forgetting God rather than remembering God. As I suggested earlier, there are a lot of other options for entertainment than sharing in worship. And then there are some who would say, but, you know, worship really isn't very much fun. Well, I believe it can be and should be. But not simply because whoever is leading worship is uh, primarily trying to 
entertain the audience. No. Because God can be fun, delightful, and fulfilling to be with. Recreation. Recreation can be good in itself. It is not simply a time out in order to gain strength, to work harder. To enjoy is to find true meaning. And to enjoy life can and should be an enjoyment of God. Someone recently gave me a book by Abraham Heschel entitled Sabbath. It's been a long time since I'd read it, and I don't have it in my library anymore, so it came at just the right time because I was rereading it in preparation for today. And here's something that Rabbi Heschel wrote. Six days a week we wrestle with the world. On the Sabbath, we especially care for the seed of eternity planted in the soul. Caring for the soul can be one of the most joyful processes of our entire life. And here's how Mother Teresa put it in her beautiful book, A Gift from God. True holiness consists in doing God's will with a smile. With a smile. And that leads to the other thing about the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not so much about you can't do this or you shouldn't do that, but in addition to being focused on God, it is also appropriate for doing good. Doing good. Remember also from our passage from Matthew how the Pharisees were trying to, to trap Jesus with violations of the Sabbath law. And he brushed that aside to point to the true nature of God, that of healing and helping. Healing and helping. He used the example of a sheep falling into a pit and said, isn't it lawful to do good on the Sabbath to rescue the sheep? Because helping that sheep would technically be working. And then he went on to heal the man with the withered hand. Helping another is very different from pursuing your own pleasure. Enjoying God at the center of things is different than just having fun for the sake of self-indulgence. If you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, wrote Isaiah, so long ago he wrote that, and yet it is so important for us today, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your, your, your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places, making your bones strong and you'll be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. If you refrain from trampling the Sabbath and pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, you honor it, not going your own ways, serving your own interests or pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take, here it is, delight, joy in the Lord. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Today is a day of questioning the heart. The Sabbath is a day for renewing other nine commandments. Think about it. 
It's a day when we can focus on doing what God wants. How to treat others right. How to treat God with love and respect. The Sabbath is a day for for what? After all, whose day is it? Well, we say Sunday is the Lord's day. But whose day is it really? It's yours. It's been given to each and every one of you. To do with as you want. Well, not what you want. To do with as you will. As you are in tune with God's will. Amen.